Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and active troll, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm film scholar and barely inadequate substitute for a slayer in the house, Noelle LaCroix. And we're here today to talk about Crush, the 14th episode of season five. Crush aired on February 13th, 2001. It was written by David Fury and directed by Daniel Atias. Still Pretty is a rewatch podcast for some of us more so than others. And as such, spoilers abound, especially when we get to talking about Spike and his oh so complicated relationship to emotions and chip having and soul lacking. He's got cool hair and he's got cool leather coats and stuff. So let's go on patrol. In Crush, Buffy sits by herself at the bronze while everybody dances and Spike tries and fails to talk to her. But when she sees Ben, she goes to thank him for taking care of Dawn at the hospital. Spike watches Buffy talk to Ben, clearly jealous. Meanwhile, a train arrives in Sunnydale full of dead bodies. So that's probably not good. At home, Buffy asks Giles if they should be going easy on Dawn and he says no. So Buffy yells at Dawn for taking her clothes. What did I tell you about borrowing my clothing? I didn't take your clothes. Bull, I never touched your stuff. Really? Then what happened to my blue cashmere sweater? Turns out it's Spike who stole the sweater and he's having Harmony wear it for Slayer sex play. And if anyone out there has cosplayed as Harmony cosplaying as Buffy, I get it. (laughs) Dawn goes to Spike's crypt to talk to him and stays for hours listening to creepy stories of his past misdeeds. Buffy busts into Spike's crypt to ask for his help in finding Dawn when she sees Dawn right there, just hanging out with Spike. As they leave, Buffy gives Dawn a lecture about dead evil things with no souls, and Dawn lays down some truth on Buffy. Spike's totally into you. Oh, come on. You didn't notice. Buffy, Spike's completely in love with you. Huh? Xander and Buffy go to check out the train car where all the people were killed, but Buffy's distracted by the thing with Spike. Xander thinks it's funny until Buffy says that Dawn has a crush on Spike, and he's so distracted by the idea that Dawn's into Spike instead of him that he fails to notice an old doll sitting in the luggage rack. Later that night, Spike shows up to grab Buffy for a stakeout of suspects in the train killings, and she gets weirded out when he acts all weird. Is this a date? A... Please. A date. You are completely off your bird. I mean, do you want it to be? Spike tries to confess his love for Buffy, and she tells him he's delusional. She could never, ever love him back. There is nothing between them. Dejected, Spike goes back to his crypt to discover Drusilla there, holding a rose, ready to get the band back together. She wants Spike to go back to Los Angeles with her and torment Angel. He tells her about the chip, but she says that the chip is nothing but lies. He's a brutal killer, and no chip can change that. Harmony returns and tells Drew to get lost, but Spike tosses Harmony against the wall, rejecting her. Why? Because she's back? No. Because I am. Buffy talks to Willow and Joyce about Spike being in love with her and gets just terrible responses from both ends. Joyce asks her what she did to lead Spike on, and Willow says that Buffy has to go back to Spike and clearly shut him down. Spike and Drew go out to the bronze to pick up victims. They spot a couple making out on the balcony over the dance floor. Drew snaps both of their necks and tosses the woman to Spike. 
He struggles for a moment, then feeds. Buffy shows up at Spike's crypt to talk to him and goes into his lair below ground to wait for him. She finds his collection of her things and pictures and is appropriately grossed out. But then Spike shows up with Drew and Drew knocks Buffy out with a cattle prod. She wants to play with Buffy a bit before they kill her, but Spike says he's through playing and then zaps Drew with the cattle prod. Bloody well through playing. When Buffy comes to, she's chained up in Spike's lair, as is Drew. Spike confesses his love for Buffy and to prove it, he's gonna kill Drew. When Buffy's not impressed by his sacrifice, he tells her that she needs to confess that there's something between them or he's gonna untie Drew and let Drew kill Buffy. Buffy tells him that it will never happen, and Spike goes on a misogynistic rant, blaming Buffy, blaming Drew, and then finally deciding he needs to just kill both of them. Until Harmony comes back with a crossbow and smacks him around. Spike grabs the crossbow and they fight. Drew gets free and starts attacking Buffy. But Spike rushes to Buffy's aid and rescues her, making his final choice to be neither good nor bad, but always stuck in between. Poor Spike. So lost. Even I can't help you now. Buffy leaves and Spike runs after her to try to talk to her. Buffy tells him to leave her, her friends, and her family alone. But as Spike chases after her, he can't come in. He's been de-invited. As he stares at Buffy, hurt and confused, she shuts the door in his face. Hey, Noelle, so here we are at Crush, and I am really interested to hear what you think about this episode. I really, I, okay, all right. <laughs> I feel like brace for impact, right? right. Because... <laughs> I I really, there are things in this episode that I really, really enjoy, but mm-hmm. my big takeaway, okay, I have two big takeaways. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of them is like, terrible men gonna be terrible. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, you cannot change someone. Like, you really cannot. And I just, mm-hmm. I feel... I feel for Harmony in this so much, <laughs> so much. Oh, Harmony is my love and my soul. I She's, adore her. Okay, and here is my extra bit of delight for this yes. episode. When I was watching it, I I couldn't, I had completely forgotten the episode, you know, by mm-hmm. name. I guessed what it was about based on the right. title. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. because of how my subtitles were oriented mm-hmm. on my screen mm-hmm. i missed all of the guest starring so and so oh so yeah. i was genuinely surprised and delighted by the appearance of both mercedes McNabb and juliet lando oh, and yeah. it was so good that and i know delightful. i'm all like pro spoiler on this mm-hmm. show like mm-hmm. really frequently pro spoiler yes. but the there is something really extra wonderful about completely Uh, forgetting the existence of a character or a plot line and then having them show up and just I mean no it's one of the true benefits of middle age I have to say is that (laughs) I I can be you can't remember shit new because I don't remember anything so then I go back in I'm like oh yeah it's this one yeah oh my god oh my god (laughs) but but I uh, I want to like this episode so much more than I do. Yeah. And I get hung up on just how much I do not like Spike. 
I do not like him. I no, I get it. I get it. I enjoy Spike like tremendously at this point. But a lot of that, I think, comes from my comes from this perspective as a storyteller, the narrative. I mean, I have notes upon notes upon notes, the nature of good and evil, the the stuck between the identity of the monster and the man, like what all of these things do within the character. Totally. But enjoying Spike as like a person, I think that's complicated. So that's like a part of the discussion that I think we need to have today is that like Spike, it, Spike as a character delights me. And I can talk about the things that they're doing with him that are so, so interesting. While at the same time, I, I think it was my daughter who was asking me recently, like, is there a woman like a female character that has a an arc on the level of like a Spike or a Wesley from Angel, right? You know, um, and honestly, was I was staring into space, thinking, eh? you know, like so. I want to see these happen in women more. I mean, off the top of my head, like the first place I go with that um, is American Horror Story. Oh, and yeah, I, I don't, don't watch that. know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, I know yeah. we have some feelings about Ryan Murphy, and that's fine. <laughs> and I think that, okay, how do I want to, how do I want to express this? Like, but when, when you said that arc, and it's not an overarching season to season kind of arc, but there are characters mm-hmm. on American Horror Story where you really do go on this kind of journey with them mm-hmm. of like, I, and maybe that's kind of the gimmick of American Horror Story from a character development standpoint is you go yeah. on a journey with someone where you love them or you hate them and then you find out what they've been through and then you're like, oh, that's so terrible. And now mm-hmm. I have, you know, now I have compassion for them or I really wanted to like this person and then they went and did something shitty and now mm-hmm. I feel conflicted and it's really, you know, it boils down to that, like, we can all contain multitudes, like we all yeah. do contain multitudes. And yeah. people have extraordinarily good reasons for the things they do. And that doesn't necessarily excuse bad yeah. behavior. Like somebody mm-hmm. can be shitty because something shitty happened to them. Right. But that doesn't make their being shitty acceptable. We can be compassionate, no, but, yeah. you know. But it does open up a space where you can look at it and and um, and see their humanity in yeah. that. Like, you can see the humanity, like, the, the things that happen to people that create just terrible, terrible behavior, you know? Yeah. Um, usually there's a reason for that, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I do, I find that really interesting. Um, but in, in, you know, in the the context of of this show and of Spike, um, I, I find, like, I love this episode. I love this episode. Completely understand all of your problems with it. Like, I am totally on board and not going to argue that you are wrong because you are not wrong. But because... <laughs> well, and admittedly, some of these are my personal problems with behavior uh, that I have yeah. experienced. So... Yes. No, there's some, there's some <laughs> moments in here. There are some moments in here that really, that because of my personal experience, um, 
make it really hard to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, make it really, really hard to enjoy. Um, uh, Spike's misogynistic rant okay. is really yeah. difficult for me. Um, and yeah. I mean, I know we're kind of jumping ahead of ourselves, but I yeah, really it's our want show. that. We can do whatever we want. I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm sad that we like don't go scene by scene. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes I'm like, no, you know what? The spirit has moved us. Let's go yes. there. Let's because go where it is. Mm-hmm. that moment when he says, like, what is it? It's like, what is wrong with all you bloody women or whatever it is? No, yeah, you bloody women. And then he says something like you, he calls them bitches. And, yeah, I, uh, and I have it a, is, yeah, I have a real problem with that. At the same time, I want, like, there's part of me, mm-hmm. and maybe this is awful, but there's part of me that wants that to be a funny moment. And yeah. it's just not because it's so, yeah, it's so it's, resonant in a very specific way. <laughs> well, and, you know, when you have language like that used in a violent way, which all women have, all women have, there, there are certain words, right, that through continual use in particular contexts become charged right? Charged with violence, charged with hate. But when a man uses that in anger to dehumanize a woman, which is exactly what is happening here with Spike, um, it's it's really, it's upsetting. It's upsetting to watch. And I mean, I love Spike. Like, I have a lot of love for Spike that is not reasonable, and I understand it. But um, even with that, that moment that he says that, is is really like it's very viscerally upsetting to me it's hard to hear for me what's hard what's hardest to hear mm-hmm. in that scene is the turn like how quickly yep he goes from this not i mean confessing my love which is infatuation or obsession and not it's, love but i think we'll right, get into right. that we're, we're going to talk about that yes, yeah definitely. this moment like I mean, and this is why this is what is so complicated about Spike as a character. And I think about James Marster's performance is that mm-hmm. I feel that I can see Spike trying to yeah. be a good man. Yeah. And there's some but there's something there that I almost want to call selfishness it's like an entitlement it's there there's this entitlement to I think what I'm responding to in that scene in particular and in the episode overall is this male entitlement to Mm -hmm. women's bodies and experiences and connection like reciprocation the the idea that that the job of the feminine of center person is to respond to and comfort this man who will right fly off the rails at any moment if you don't you i'm going to kill you if you don't admit that there is something here between us right Right. and that Um, i mean it is yeah and i mean the thing is is that there are a lot of situations in which women you know in in like Buffy's situation is very particular because of her power she is stronger than he is she can kill him like anytime you know um 
And isn't it interesting that she hasn't done that? Oh, anyway. <laughs> yes. No, the delight armor in this episode in particular, the delight armor that covers Harmony, the delight armor that covers Drew, the fact that Buffy didn't leave that lair by herself dusting off her pants is just right? unbelievable. There's... Like, yeah. Like, how does she not just kill all of them? They're all vampires. They were all at one point or another going to kill her. Why? Like it's just delight armor, and I, well, you know, and I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm glad for the sake of the show that we still get these characters. But like in reality, there's a completely justified space for Buffy to just, you know, dust them all. Well, it's delight armor, but it's also humanity armor because, mm-hmm. in as much as they are all literal monsters being vampires, in this episode, like not even in the series as a whole, but in this episode, we get them all being so human. Human, yeah. And and there's yeah. this fascinating discussion of emotions and mm-hmm. whether or not vampires experience them and yeah. what that means. Mm-hmm. And I'm here for it 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I love it so much. It's... Um, it's wonderful that moment where Drew says we can love, you know, uh, we can love very well, but not wisely or something like yeah. that. You know? um, yeah. It's, it's... And of course, she's paraphrasing Othello, which I enjoy. Right. Yeah. You know, Othello mm-hmm. describes himself as one that loved not wisely, but too well. And mm-hmm. Drew says, oh, we can, you know, we can love quite well, if not wisely. Yep. Yeah. So, huh. Oh, God, it's so it's so good. It's so good. And I mean, that's the thing, too, is that when we come down to this discussion of love, right? I mean, that's an interesting thing. Let's go into the language for a minute. Yeah. I mean, speaking Um, of language, that's I think that's where we're going to come down. I think that's what this episode is going to be about, right? Yeah. It's the language of all of it. Well, Um, and and the, the power in the language, like, you know, it's never just words. Nothing is ever just words, right? you know, like words have a tremendous amount of power. The idea of a magical spell comes from spelling words like that power comes from that idea, you know. Um, So the words here, like the idea of love, right? You know, uh, Spike is confessing this love for Buffy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Drusilla is saying we can love you know, quite well, if not wisely. Um, Harmony is is in there talking about loving her, you know, Blondie Bear, right? Oh, um, my God. Oh, my Harmony. God. She's, <laughs> she's the best. She's the best. And I fucking love her. Um, but again, like we use this word love in all of these contexts because we don't have enough words for the different ways in which we love. And a lot of times we talk about like the infatuation, right? That mm-hmm. that Spike is infatuated with Buffy. I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think infatuation comes from this, um, from not knowing somebody, but like in the very early stages of knowing them that you sort of assign all goodness to them because of all the things that you don't know about them, right? You know, so you, you fill in everything about them with just wonderful, like every hole in your knowledge is filled with this wonderful perfect you know flawless person um and then that's like where the uh, the elevated sense of infatuation comes from that that feels a lot like love you know it feels like this but it's not that because you don't know you know Mm -hmm. um but spike is not i don't i don't think i would argue that spike is infatuated with buffy because he knows her like he knows her you know but his love for her is dark and selfish eric from has said 
infantile love follows the principle, I love because I am loved, right? Mature Mm. love follows the principle, I am loved because I love. Immature love says, I love you because I need you. And mature love says, I need you because I love you. Right. So it is this idea of of not whether or not it's love, but how that love is being employed, you know, within within Spike. And it is from an infantile, immature space, you know. So I do believe that he genuinely loves Buffy. Um, And I think that we we see that love, though, because it comes from a person whose ability to. Uh, to love outside of himself without himself for reference, right? To just love because he loves. We're going to see Spike get there mm-hmm. at the end of season seven and touched. Like this is the arc that he goes through. But right now he cannot love her out of context of himself. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, telling her this whole big confession. I love you. You know, I love you. I'm going to show you how much I love you by killing Drew. Right. You know, I lie awake at night thinking of you. Uh, <laughs> you sleep in the daytime. Exactly. <laughs> so great. Like, That's the point, you know, and I love <laughs> and also like, you know, and it starts from like we saw him with Cecily. Like back mm-hmm. writing that poem for her, this woman who barely knew who he was, like he was, he was absolutely infatuated with Cecily. But but Buffy, he knows, like he knows Buffy, um, and so I find it a really interesting expression of of love and the way that Spike expresses his love. I love you so much. I am going to kill this woman <laughs> oh, that buddy. I used to love. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the the problems here are piling up right as he goes um then we have this whole you know you have to confess your love for me that there's something that there could possibly be something that's all i need just that little bit of confession um you know uh or i'm going to have drew kill you like what you know all of it is is so wrapped up with him and what he needs and his self that he can't even see it as as a, it's a love, but it is a, is an immature. It is a dark, dark reflection of love. Love is not always bright and shiny. Yeah. I mean, you know? I suppose that's true. What I like, though, is that that is he is consciously doing those things you know when he's got them when he's got them chained up when he makes the decision to cattle prod drusilla you know (laughs) when he's got this whole like i'm gonna i'm gonna stake her to show you how much i love you like that is all he's all in his head about it but when he's not when he's not trying and i'm thinking specifically of the moment where he holds the door for her and she looks at him like what the hell are you doing? Oh and he's like, I ooh, uh, didn't mean it. Right. And then there's that exchange between them where she's like, is this a date? And he's like, uh, no. And like, you can see that he ha- is completely caught off guard. Like, yeah. because he didn't, it, it was only, it was only, it was only a half formed idea, I think. Yeah, um, right. When the when the idea is fully formed, that's when he fucks up. But when he's mm-hmm. just kind of doing the thing, yeah, 
you know, it's 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 an extension of that moment on the porch with the just like pat, pat, you know, I'm just going to try to comfort this person. Yeah, I don't really know how to do this. But when he's caught in that moment of. No, it's not a date unless you want it to be. Um, oh, God. Like, it's such a human. <laughs> it that, is. that is the moment where I see the genuine yeah. affection that is maybe underneath the obsession. Because yes. I still, I'm still very much on the fence about calling this love. I think it is obsession. I think there's fondness there, yeah. but I don't know. Well, it's how you define love. Like we don't have a definition right. for love that really like I see I see genuine love as having a dark side. You know, like their obsession, absolutely. He is completely obsessed with her. But I think that he does. He loves her. It's just a very very dark reflection of love. Um and the idea that love is Love is so many things because we don't have enough words for the different kinds of love that there are. And I think that this is, um, it's real. He, he loves her, but his ability to express that love in a way that is not dark and twisted and obsessive, he just doesn't have it. So anything that, anything that he touches, including his love is going to be essentially corrupted because Spike is essentially corrupted. Well, and is that where the lack of soul comes in? Or goes out, if you will. If you will. (laughs) And I will. Yes. Let's talk about that. Because... Uh, you know, we come back to this essential argument, right? A lot of times in Buffy, this particular expression is about Spike, but like the essential argument of can Spike be good? Is it possible, right? I'm trying to be good. I want to be good for you. You know, I'm changing. And I believe that he is changing. We see the moment when Drew tosses him that dead girl. Uh-huh. He hesitates. There is a moment where he is not comfortable with this, right? But he doesn't he has an essential nature that he is that is slowly warping within him, which I find really interesting. So, and you can clearly see that the writers have been on the internet during this time because we have people voicing all of the arguments for, for various <laughs> people. We have uh, Willow, Tara, Buffy, that. the argument over Quasimodo right? as a romantic hero, which I freaking loved. So we have this thing from Tara where she says it can't end like that because all of Quasimodo's actions were selfishly motivated. He had no moral compass, no understanding of right. Everything he did, he did out of love for a woman that could never love him back. Also, you can tell it's not going to have a happy ending when the main guy is all bumpy. I mean, that's a little. Yes, I want to say that's a little on the nose, but is it like? Unfortunately, I don't know the Hunchback of Notre Dame well enough to say whether or not. I don't. I don't know the the source material well enough, but I think that the using this as a clear analog for the arguments that are flying around about Spike can Spike be good? Can this love? be real you know mm-hmm. um and the answer is no not until it's redeemed not until it's paid for right you know it's mm-hmm. it's not like this is the thing is that you have to earn all of these things if if, if this love between buffy and spike is ever going to be like a real love the the traveling that has to be done the work mm. that has to be done and we do you know throughout the rest of buffy we are going to see some of that start to happen um 
But it is a really interesting thing. And by the way, I love Tara making a textual argument. That is like one of my favorite. That's my love language. It's one of my favorite things. So it was really, really fun for me. I mean, Willow and Tara talking about Hunchback of Notre Dame and how it should or should not have ended is pretty much like top shelf flirt in my book. Oh, so I'm like, yes. yeah, bring it. Bring Talk it. I stories love to me, baby. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, I mean... Obviously, this isn't about Willow and Tara, but I do love Tara fishing for change in her bag. And Willow just pulls out a quarter for the vending machine and hands it to her like NBD. You know, there you go. (laughs) Buy you a granola bar, baby. It's just great. You know, it is. It is such a it's such a true expression of love. I I love that whole thing. I mean, that that whole argument and then Buffy being like, I'm not going to take a side until the test happens. Well, I love Buffy being like, I watched the movie. I rented the movie. (laughs) Tara's like, ooh. And then, <laughs> you know, Puffy's like, uh, singing gargoyles. And Tara goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, whoops. Yeah. It's, it's funny. As I recall, like, I remember really super hating the Disney version because there was so much darkness in it. And I was like, this is a darkness that, that you know, like, in a kid's movie, like, a sexual obsession with Esmeralda, I felt was like... It, I don't know. Oh, it's anyway, great. That's, that's a whole oh, other thing. Oh, it's great. I yeah. actually love the the Disney Hunchback of Notre Dame, but I also okay. know that it is completely, completely divorced from the source material, which is why yeah. I say I don't know the source material. I don't know the source material either. Um, but anyway, that is a whole other discussion. Apparently, we will have to launch up another Disney podcast where we talk about good and evil and the ways in which uh, terrible things happen all the oh, time yes, in Disney. please. <laughs> Actually, you know, speaking yeah. of, because we get on this whole, like, good and evil and who is good and who is evil and all of that, that might be a fun Oh, extra yeah. to do in our copious spare time. In our copious spare time, you and I are going to have a talk because, oh my God, there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we have shown throughout this whole thing, right, that that the presence of a soul does not automatically confer good upon its bearer, right? Right. You know, we've seen a lot of bad people with souls do really, really terrible. Presumably, things. Yeah. yeah. Presumably, yeah. the bad people we encounter doing badness have mm-hmm. souls because have, if they yeah. didn't that would be a plot point right a- exactly Maybe? and that would be that's a demon thing right but yeah. um but we're really not going to get deeply deeply into that because we haven't had an ensouled uh big bad as of yet uh but next season when we get the nerd trio we're going to see them do very very bad things oh, um, yeah. but there have been like uh it was uh you know speaking of the nerd trio it was andrew's older brother tucker who uh unleashed the hellhounds on the prom right, right? that's an evil that's an evil right. act by an insult person. So um, so I find that always to be a really interesting discussion, not to mention the fact that the farther we go in Buffy and Angel and within this uh, Buffy verse, we do find much, much more evidence for the fact that demons are not always evil. Demons are not always bad, you know, yeah. um, and but they don't have souls. So the presence of a soul, I think the question is always there. And I've never felt I've never landed on an answer to me that feels um, that feels right or consistent with the various stages of textual evidence. I think that if you take all the textual evidence in the Buffyverse, a soul isn't really 
aside from what it does to Angelus, you know, creating Angel from Angelus, I don't I don't understand exactly what it is that a soul does, except for possibly create the potential for a conscience and empathy uh, that may not be there otherwise. Yeah, it doesn't seem to, except for mm-hmm. Angel Angelus and that changeover, it doesn't seem to make that much of a difference. I'm Question not sure. Mark? I think I think it has something to do with uh with a conscience and empathy because Angel, when he is Angel, is brooding and feeling terrible about all the things that he's done. Right. Angel, when he is Angelus, is delighted and happy. Um, and does not care enjoys being a monster right um uh, so it's it's simply the application of a conscience and um for some people that application doesn't necessarily transfer or work or that they do these things despite uh their conscience i don't know i mean i think it's just it's really really confusing but when it comes down to it in fiction the most important thing is the choice the having a soul imposed upon you right that was never angel's choice right Mm -hmm. because he didn't make a choice with that it's not a it's not an interesting character moment it's something that happened to him rather than something that he chooses spike didn't have a choice with the chip right but the chip right. did a different thing the chip was a behavior modification thing it was never it never went inside of him it didn't make him good it made him leashed you know right um, i mean buffy says you're like a yeah. serial killer in prison exactly which i think is a great metaphor and then of course spike comes back at her with women Women marry marry them all the time time. which is just which is not an argument for it's okay it's it's an argument for women we got some problems well i feel like that's a larger discussion that is a larger discussion i mean that's a huge discussion that involves all kinds of all kinds of fun crunchy human behavior and psychology nuggets oh god yeah Mm -hmm. but the idea that essentially what has happened is the the ability spike's ability to do the kind of harm that he was doing yeah is taken away from him Mm -hmm. it's been that ability has been locked up Right. But it really is just behind bars in that way of as soon as... It's not as, a choice. I mean, this is what we're told, right? Mm-hmm. That as soon as the chip is out, Spike will go back to being oh, yeah. the full-time dangerous monster oh, yeah. that he always was. Um, so the chip... and But of course, Dawn... I love Dawn, mm-hmm. you yes. know, saying mm, same difference when Buffy's like, right. Angel had a soul, Spike has a chip. It's a different thing. And yeah. Dawn's like, not really. Yeah. Well, because Dawn is looking at it, I think, just from a functional thing in that, right. in that Spike can't do 
Spike can't hurt humans, right? Right. But we also know he can't hurt humans, but he can still do evil because in the end of season four, when he was fully chipped, he was siding with Adam. He was causing chaos. He was a yeah. trickster hero. Like he was he was messing with everybody. You know, he was creating problems and being evil just without murdering people. So Dawn's argument, I think, is is quite specious. Um, I'm not sure that you can really get behind that because it all comes down to choice. Choice. choice is the most important thing so we have spike here wildly flipping back and forth like one of those air guys at the car dealership right you know right yes those dudes like he is flipping back and forth he's like you know first he's like okay so i've got drusilla drusilla kills this girl Spike struggles with it, but then he feeds, right? But then they go back and Drusilla cattle prods Buffy. And then Spike grabs the cattle prod and gets Drusilla and ties her up and then says, I love you, Buffy, so much that I'm willing to kill Drusilla. And then he talks about what Drusilla means to him, which is a whole other thing on this idea of love. He has been with Drusilla like a long damn time. And mm-hmm. the love, the fact that he loves her I think is clear. Again, I'm not saying it's a healthy, bright, shiny, happy love. It's a dark, twisted, we love well, but not wisely, right? You know, I mean, there's darkness all through that, right? But he loves her and he's making this choice to sacrifice her for Buffy. But like his choice is, again, it's a very, very selfishly motivated love. He doesn't care that Drusilla, this woman he quote-unquote loves, is about to die, right? What he cares about is, this is what she means to me. I was lucky to have ever touched such a dark beauty, right? Yeah. And then... He's he's it's all about this is about me and what I feel and what I am entitled to. Yeah, right? I am entitled to Drusilla's life. I am entitled to your love. Um, All of that entitlement. Yeah, that's a rough ride. That is a rough damn ride, you know, for anybody who has ever had men treat them like they were part of that property part of that entitlement you know um it's it's real rough to to have that experience um so then he chooses to he chooses to kill drew then he chooses to let drew kill buffy then (laughs) finally harmony comes in and shoots him in one of the best moments ever where she is just like I am gonna light your ass on fire I love when she comes in and says what about me you know the actual girlfriend the actual girlfriend (laughs) yes exactly like Harmony's moment of 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 claiming her space there I fucking love it but but while yeah. we're on Spike for the moment, because we will get to Harmony, because I love Harmony. Um, while we're on Spike for the moment, um, so in that he's fighting for his life with Drew and uh, or with a uh, Harmony, and Drew is beating holy hell out of Buffy, who is still chained up, and then he gets up, he leaves Harmony, he shoves Drew out of the way, he lets Buffy go and releases her. Right, that. That's the choice that he makes. And I think that that choice is also important. I think that this is part of of his trying to find, like, the thing that you choose is that 
identity, right? You you make choices based on who you identify as. I mm-hmm. am good, so I am going to make good choices that are good for everybody. Or I am evil, so I am going to kill people and do whatever. It's it's like all this identity stuff. And, you know, I'm freaking in love with the whole identity stuff that's been going on since the beginning of season four. Um, so here we have Spike constantly caught in between. Right. Um, He's never one thing or the other, you know, Um, and in the end, the path that he chooses is neither good nor evil, but it is to be in this uh, like amorphous space in between, which is the hardest place to be. Why does he choose that? He could choose evil. It would be so much easier. Yeah, he can't kill humans, but he can Mm -hmm. do other stuff. He can hang out with a band of vampires. He can get a bunch of them to work for him. He can have them delivering dead bodies to him on the regular. There's a lot of stuff he can do. He's smart. He could he could run a band of minions. I mean, if Harmony can get a band of minions, Spike could actually (laughs) do right. He could do some damage. There's nothing stopping him except him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's I mean. He's clearly also caught up in this metaphor space of the show where mm-hmm. his struggle is that he is a demon with all these feelings. Yeah. He's a demon with demons. And, <laughs> you know, we don't really like we struggle. I think especially I think especially like mask of center folks yeah. can tend to struggle with the demons of having lots of feelings having he, those feels like, I know. how do i how do i wrap how do i wrap all of these feels up in everything that's going on and he clearly mm-hmm. he is all about choices i mean yeah. very similarly to angel i would say Mm -hmm. like i keep coming back mentally to that moment where drew tosses him the woman's body and he hesitates yeah in this really fascinating way and i feel like the framing and the soundtrack and then the way we we cut to drew and she looks so monstrous don't we have a moment just like that with darla and angelus over an angel i think that we do you know i think when he gets his soul back and he tries to go i think it's during the boxer rebellion right doesn't she toss him a body or something like that and he has that same hesitation and then and then kills it's entirely possible i think there's i think there's a very similar moment so i'm sorry i interrupted you no that's just curious about that but keep going no that's a relevant i mean that's a really relevant interruption um but the reading, like, I think there are multiple readings of just that moment mm-hmm. in terms of what he chooses to do and what yeah. all is potentially going through his mind mm-hmm. as he makes this decision to attempt to feed on this dead body because drew has given him this (laughs) drew has come in with her line about i don't believe in science which i'm like okay oh oh, that hurt oh it hurt it hurt so much she starts doing that and i was like oh man i was like okay all right next we're gonna find out you know next we're gonna find out darla is a flat earther and i'll just have to like cool my jets on my vamp lady crushes but anyway he's got this moment where We've built this up so intensely. Mm-hmm. You know, Drew is like, this is who you are. 
this is what's up. And, you know, he has proudly announced to Harmony, I'm back and all of that. But then you see this waiver Mm -hmm. and I don't know. I don't know how I want to read that moment. Do I want to read it as he's torn between wanting to be his old self with Drusilla and wanting yeah. not to be? Is he like literally battling his inner demons yeah. in that moment? Like what's happening? But that's the thing. In order for that battle to even present itself, then there has to be part of Spike that genuinely wants to be good. And yeah. that's what I find really interesting because in no way is there anything in him that should want to be good. Right. But there is part of him that wants to be good. And in the end, the choice that he makes, being a good man is not a choice that is available to him. It's not available, right? Mm-hmm. So he's got these two choices. Like he could be a good man or he can be a bad vampire, right? You know, um, and one of them is clearly simple and easy and there and he can take it he can be a bad vampire all he needs to do is get minions who will fetch his food for him and kill it (laughs) for him that's all he needs right um and he can totally do that and there would be no problem with that but yet that's not the choice that he makes and that's where i think spike gets really interesting because identity is one of the hardest like as a source of vulnerability i've taught in my narrative theory that um that we have four basic quadrants of vulnerability right like fear identity love and shame Mm -hmm. and identity is probably the most powerful of them all who am I, right? And we see, you know, identities eluding our our cast of characters throughout, especially season four. We've got, you know, of course, Giles, Sweater Giles, right? His identity, <laughs> trying to figure out who he is if he's not a watcher, if he's not a librarian, who is he, you know? Um, and we've got, we've got Xander trying to figure out who he is, goes on the open road, does the Jack Kerouac thing, eventually settles down into construction and being the, the heart of the team, the guy who talks everybody through their emotional foibles, right? You know, and we've got Anya, who was a demon for 1,200 years, right? <laughs> and then is suddenly human yep. and then takes on all of these affectations of youthful, you know, feminine presenting humanity. Right. You right. know, like this got to have a boyfriend, got to have sex, get married, have babies, all this kind of stuff. Right. That's that's like a big thing for Anya with her identity and the way that, that she sees herself. Um, so all of these things like we see people the second an identity is available to them that they can pick up, they pick it up. People struggle with identity when they don't have one available. Spike mm-hmm. has one available and chooses to live in the space between these identities. Why? Why in the world would he make that choice? <laughs> Why in the world, if not for the power of this love? Dark, twisted, corrupted love. I will never argue anything different, but love. And there's something about a bad man reaching toward goodness, despite all the pain that that is going to present for him because of love that I find crunchy as fuck. And I just love it. (laughs) Well, and Spike himself gives us this great line that I feel like gets kind of thrown away and buried a little bit by the Mm -hmm. episode. But when he's chatting with Dawn, which, first of all, is like my favorite relationship on the show so far. I so much. But when he's chatting with Dawn and she is just not going to be 
you know, she is not that impressed by him, which I love. I love so much. She tells him that she feels safe with him and he coughs and says, you take that back. But they're having this little back and forth about, well, she says, you know, I'm not human, not originally or, you know, whatever it is she says. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I was, but I got over it. (laughs) And then he says, um, oh, I want to quote it correctly. He says, doesn't seem to me it matters very much how you start out, which I just love. I love Spike making, especially with Dawn. Yeah. Saying that line and kind of laying that foundation for nothing is set in stone and there's no there's Mm -hmm. no essential (laughs) identity, at least in Spike's mind. There's nothing you really you really can be anything you want to be, kid, you know, but yeah, that is so that is so stinking powerful, especially for these two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does get kind of that that philosophical discussion just gets buried in the adorableness. That oh is my god, Don and Spike! I I love I love when she goes to him and she says, "I like how you talk to me. Like I can understand things." Yes, everybody's you know on tiptoes around her, and you know, and he says it's because they want to protect you, but his showing respect for Dawn by not being protective of her, right? Like he would protect her if something you know, if Glory came in and started trying to like right know, knocked on her, like he would physically protect her. But he also like believes in her capability to deal with her own shit to the mm-hmm. point where he doesn't do that to her and he respects her. And that shows a great amount of respect, you know? Um, and I love that. I love Dawn in this. I love, love, love when Dawn is like, Buffy, you idiot. He's in love with you. Duh. <laughs> like that Poor is Buffy. one of my favorite things. I love <laughs> Dawn in this episode being the one who sees, right? Yep. I love her in that role. Um, I love when she's rolling her eyes and she's like, oh, please, you didn't notice, you know, um, Dawn's got a crush on Spike. He wears cool clothes. Which is just stuff. the cutest. He wears cool clothes and he's got cool hair, which I feel like, uh, you know, yeah. as sad as it is, like there are a lot of bad boyfriends and girlfriends and mm-hmm. love interests of all genders who get a free pass because they have cool hair and wear yes. cool leather jackets. Yes. Like, yes. It's. Oh. I'm not going to lie. I have indulged in crushes for way worse reasons than that. Um, yeah. Like oh, that. It's always a little bit about the hair, isn't it? Like, mm, yeah, sometimes. I don't know. Some, yeah, sometimes. Or the lack of hair. I tend, on- to, I tend to like bald men. I always have. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's it's really um, it's so fun to see Dawn. Like, first of all, having that little crush on Spike. Second of all, rolling her eyes about it because whatever, he's in love with Buffy. Third of all, seeing that he's in love with Buffy when nobody else has picked up on this. Although clearly it's all it's really true, you know. Um, So Dawn is just like one of my favorite things. I love that relationship. I love when he's telling her the story of the girl. Mm -hmm. And then Buffy comes in and he's like, and then I pulled her out of the out of the bin, all violent, gave her to a nice family and to not lock her in a coal bin you know it's i just i love the whole thing i think it's just so incredibly sweet so yeah all of it um i i just i find 
just incredibly delightful. Um, uh, Harmony. I know we've mentioned her oh, briefly, God. but can we have a few moments? We of need just several love? moments of harmony. Oh, several God. moments of harmony. I would just like to acknowledge all of this, like personal growth that yeah. Harmony has done. You know, she's really yeah. working on herself. She's been it's- reading her Brene Brown. She's been doing the work. She is rising <laughs> strong. Is this vampire of ours yes. taking care of her relationship? When Spike's like, yes. I'm not really in the mood, and she's like, Well, we could do something else. Oh my god! Just- oh my god! Harmony and Buffy cosplay is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna stake you. I'm coming after you, you bad, evil vampire, and I'm gonna slay you. I'm sneaking up, and I'm gonna stake you so much with my slaying powers that I have because I'm the chosen (laughs) Oh, Spike. It's so good, it's so adorable when he just jumps on her. (laughs) It's so great. Oh, I'm man. sneaking up. Oh, oh my God. But Harmony's like really working yeah. through it. Yeah. She's really, she's like, hey, okay, like uh-huh. I, I'm going to try some stuff. I'm willing to try some things to like sure. inject this relationship with the passion that I feel like it is lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we also get a, a fun little tidbit of information on Harmony's uh, opinions on threesomes. Oh! Which I just adore. <laughs> to be just guy, adore. guy, girl. Or Shirley girl, <laughs> Or Shirley Theron. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's so wonderful. Which I was really hoping, I was really, really hoping that this was like monster era Shirley uh-huh. Theron, but it's not. It's yeah. Cider House Rules era Shirley Sh- Theron, Theron, which, yeah. you know, Still excellent. Great. Still excellent. a great expression of Shirley Theron, <laughs> whose name I've never been able to say. I apologize. Um, yeah, I, but I love I love Harmony. Like he rejects her because Drusilla is there, right? You know, um, and then throws her against the wall and breaks her heart. And then when she comes back in with the crossbow and shoots him, and is yep. like, "What about me?" Like, yep. I was like, yeah, let's give her a microphone and set up her TED talk because she's got some <laughs> things to say. Right. Um, I love that she just comes out at him and and, you know, takes him and like almost stick, like almost dusts him, you know, with the, yep. with the crossbow. It's just it's so great. And I love her her sense of personal power there and the sense of what she deserves, you mm-hmm. know, that like she knows she deserves better than that. You know, yeah, that's nice. Especially because the last time we saw Harmony with a crossbow, it was it, it was not going well for no. her. It was Spike's <laughs> fake chipectomy, and she was just oh, oh god, I love you her know, so much. She's working on her crossbow skills. She is, you know. And this is the thing too: does not give up. Fail once, fine. Let me fail yep. again until I get it right. Yep. Like I like that stick to itiveness. I, I love that she does not give up. So she's wonderful. And then she gives us the most harmony exit that there ever was. <laughs> You're not going to see this anymore oh because my. I'm going to back away from you. <laughs> 
so good. It is so perfect and so wonderful. She Um, is delightful. She will uh, never not delight me. Yeah. No, I I love her so much. And I don't care about the delight armor that saves her and saves Drew, who also, by the way, let's talk a little bit about how wonderful Drusilla is in this episode. I I also love love, her back in town. Yeah, I I love Drusilla. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And... As I said, the the surprise of seeing yeah. Drusilla again was oh, yeah. When so, she shows up, it's so, so wonderful. It's so wonderful, and I I love that moment. I love when Harmony comes in and calls uh, him her boo boo, and then Drusilla yes. just looks at Spike and soundlessly mouths boo boo at him, which I just like Drusilla mocking somebody else. Is just wonderful, unreal. That mo- that that Juliet Lando face oh, when god. she oh god is so good. She's is so, so good. good, and she do- just does her Drusilla best the whole yeah. way through. The yeah. whole like she's absolutely unhinged, and I'm here for right. it. And pulling in the crossover events from what's going on over in Angel, that Angel set her and Darla on fire. We get all of that history, which is always fun. Um, but the thing of, that I love about Drusilla, especially as a foil for Spike in this episode, is the way she is so uncomplicated. Like, just uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. You know, she there's none of this that she has any, you know, she's not struggling with anything. And Spike struggles constantly. Spike is always struggling. And Drusilla never is, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I love when he takes the steak to her chest and she just goes... <laughs> That little giggle is yep. so adorable. Like, I love the way that she does that. Juliet Lando is a freaking genius in this role. She, there's just no, I cannot, I cannot imagine anyone else as Drusilla. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, yeah. s- that really says something. Oh, yeah. No, nobody else could do what she does for that role. I mean, she is just unbelievable. And her, um, just everything like the way she comes in the way she you know puts spike under this kind of a spell right you know like she's just like oh i don't believe in science and plastic and all of that kind of stuff i mean he knows what it is he knows what happens to him when this happens and she's just like yeah it's all in your head literally Mm -hmm. it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating take on yeah. what's going on with Spike. Mm-hmm. It's also so um just perfectly emblematic mm-hmm. of Drusilla and yeah. the way she kind of the the way she is able to possess Spike. Uh-huh. And na- you know, she he says she saved me from mediocrity they yeah. have this relationship where she believes that he is this exceptional mm-hmm. monster and she loves that and he kind of wants to go along with it because yes. yeah mm-hmm. um but she's so she is so uniquely seductive because she just does swoop in and tell him this is what yeah. you are, and I don't care that there's some electricity in your head telling you otherwise. Right. But that is the and power of narrative. 
yep. right? Because she comes in, because story is a series of events, but narrative is a series of events that we reform, that we recount, that we structure in a way to evoke a very particular meaning, meaning right? So she comes in and she starts spinning this narrative for him, a narrative that he buys into so hard that even knowing the debilitating pain that this chip causes him, he tries. Yeah. You know, like he tries to live within that narrative. I love the way she spins it. I love the way he falls into it. Oh, God, it's so great. It's it's good. It's yeah. really good. It's so much. It's so much fun to see Spike and Drusilla together. It is. It really is. Um, OK, so the one last thing that I kind of wanted to bring into this discussion is is Spike as a romantic hero. Right. Because we open up with this argument like there, we've had the argument about can he be good, you know, um, his whole identity thing. Um, but the romantic hero, the bad guy as the romantic hero, like the bad boy is toothless. But the bad guy, the evil man as a romantic hero is something that we're struggling with right now. I keep I've never watched the show you on Netflix, but I've seen people talking about it. And apparently it's a lot of the same thing where you've got a bad guy like an evil man who is or has some charm and charisma and there's something in that that draws us in, right? You know, that that even knowing that he is what he is, knowing the monster that he is, we still find ourselves drawn into that and like digging the vibe, right? You know, mm -hmm. digging the vibe as a romantic hero. And it's a bit disturbing, you know, the way we're like willing to look past a clear and present evil in order to get access to those like romance feels, you know. Um, and recently, it's funny, I was watching a movie with some friends um, who were asking about the appeal of this like evil man thing, right? We're talking about Spike, we're talking about Wesley, right? The dark Wesley mm -hmm. arc over an angel. Um, and, you know, please forgive the heteronormative presentation it feels to me like there may be something specifically here that speaks to the power of men over women, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there is a gendered argument to be made um, in this, but it was two women and two men. And we were talking about the appeal of the bad boy. So we were framing it in that way, but I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, but Oh, I think bad boys of all genders exist. Bad I boys think, of all genders exist. I think that's a thing. But for the sake of this discussion... Of this I, argument, like, because I, I feel like there is something very specifically specific to the, the male female power dynamic, right? That there is something in the, the powerful evil man being tamed by the love of a woman. Pardon With, me while I throw up. I'm sorry. No, that's, right? Like, right? It's, no, it's, but there is something, mm. I think there's something to that, right? That in this appeal that, that it is, it is just the love, the love of a good woman to tame a bad man, right? That's a bad narrative. I'm not sure that's what we're doing here. I think for me, the appeal of Buffy and Spike as a couple, as a romance is that they, they're honest because they don't, 
they don't lie to each other because there's nothing to be preserved. They're, what are they afraid of losing? That they're going right. to hate each other more, you know? Right. So there is like this deep, deep honesty in them that allows them to connect in a way that you cannot connect if there's any dishonesty in a relationship at all. So for me, there's something about that that I really like where, where Buffy is not pretending to be something she's not. She's not trying to protect you know, the way that she would protect Angel, the way that she protects Riley's fragile fucking ego, right? She doesn't do that with Spike. She doesn't have to do that with Spike. She doesn't dance around his tender, fragile feelings, you know? And there's something about that that for me, like, that is is the appeal of this relationship, you know, between Buffy and Spike is just that it is it is so unflinchingly honest. Um, and I don't know. But like I, I think that there's a lot of complicated and probably dangerous narratives in the romantic, the bad evil man as a romantic hero, which is what Spike is absolutely in this context. Like a romance just means characterized by love. I think I would make the argument that Spike absolutely is characterized by love and motivated by love. Dark, twisted, wrong love selfish love <laughs> immature love absolutely but love so i would absolutely like qualify him as a romantic hero but the thing about romance is that we automatically assume or associate this happily ever after with it that like once you're a romantic hero the path from here to you get what you want and you get to be happy is is direct and i don't think that that's the case i think that's a presumption that that you need to break just because he's a romantic hero does not mean that he gets happily ever after. Happily ever after must be earned. And the path he'd need to go to earn that is very, very long. And I think, you know, throughout the course of the show, we're going to see some of that. But I'm interested. What do you think? And what? And, and, and if I said any stupid, straight nonsense, please, you know, let, please let me know. I'm, sorry, I'm not trying. I just I feel like there's something in the in the way that women interact with men because of that power dynamic that has been instilled upon us through centuries of just terrible, terrible shit, um, that there's something very specific to that that I see here. But but I apologize for my straight nonsense if I've said anything really, really stupid. I think that there's a larger there's there's definitely a larger field of feminist media studies mm -hmm. that I'm sure there is extensive writing on mm -hmm. what the power of the bad boy or the bad, the evil man or the, the Byronic dark hero. hero. Yeah. Heathcliff, what Rochester, this goes back centuries. Like it's not, it's not anything new. The guy mm -hmm. who is maybe evil or definitely yeah. evil, but still yeah. kind of sexy or maybe mm -hmm. kind of sexy because He's evil. Right. It's a real like it is definitely a real thing in our stories. And I think mm -hmm. that there's a much larger conversation to be had about what that says about society and mm -hmm. our, you know, patriarchal mm -hmm. cishet views of yes. relationships and gender roles. And like there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, you know, and like way too much for me to go into mm -hmm. right here right now um but i do want to address the buffy spike honesty yeah piece of all of this um and i think that that is what makes their relationship so compelling mm -hmm. for me as a viewer despite having some like really icky feelings about spike yes i enjoy the way that there's no 
there's there's not a lot of bullshit between them. I mean, they bring mm-hmm. their own bullshit to each other and they will continue to do that. Right. Um, but they don't, you know, Buffy's not hiding from Spike because she doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And Spike is clearly on this emotional journey on his own, yes. <laughs> trying to work out. Like, it's not so much, it, this is not a story of, the love of a good and beautiful woman mm-hmm. redeeming a bad man. This is a bad man who sees something mm-hmm. in this remarkable woman that motivates him to want to address yeah. his his own because literal inner demons. She doesn't love him. The onus is not on her to cure him with her magical vagina, right? You know, right. Um, it is the onus is on him to change to be worthy of her. And I find that a much more interesting like expression. The appeal of the bad boy that the love of a good woman can cure a bad man is is so incredibly toxic and dangerous. Mm-hmm. But this particular expression of it, I find really interesting. Because it's it's differently. I was going to say it's one sided, but that's not yeah. true. It's mm-hmm. differently sided right. than mm-hmm. usual. Mm-hmm. It's presented in a different way right. where my just like off the top of my head understanding of this mm-hmm. stereotypical archetypical relationship dynamic is that he doesn't care and she cares so much and that's Mm -hmm. what makes it work. But we see that with Spike and Harmony and Harmony comes right out and tells us, yo, this doesn't work. I thought that maybe if I did X, Y, and Z, you would be Mm -hmm. nicer to me, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work that way. Because the, the motivation to change his bad behavior has to come from him. Mm -hmm. And it's about the woman and as much as he is he is kind of sort of looking to Buffy as this external moral compass that it Mm -hmm. is still very much about what she can do for him Mm -hmm. um but the struggle is all on his end yeah if she's struggling with Spike feels it's so below the surface at this point I mean we have we have like winked and you know nudged mm-hmm. at some buffy lines where we think mm, really buffy you yeah. know really but yeah. also when dawn mentions it mentions that spike has this this crush on buffy buffy is genuinely baffled she had no idea and dawn's like really <laughs> like you didn't yeah, see but it i'm with, like, I'm with on. dawn on that though i think buffy had no idea because buffy didn't want to see it i think buffy had no idea because buffy's got a she's feeling a, a spark there's chemistry there you know I she's mean, in denial about it she's gonna put a big blind spot over it so that she doesn't see anything she could have staked him all of the times and oh, she has so many so. so many times so many times yeah uh-huh. so, and at this yeah. point it's not just the cool hair and the cool leather jackets like there's no. something else there yeah. um but we're going to see this we're going to see this bad boy slash evil man mm-hmm. good woman narrative like unfold and then refold in various ways as yeah. spike decides like you know 
mm-hmm. taking it all the way back to what he chooses to do. I mean, he makes the decision to yeah. like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get a soul. <laughs> I'm going to because right. that's going to be the thing. And that is a pivotal choice for mm-hmm. Spike when we get there and all the things that happen between now and then make this mm-hmm. so much more complicated and and interesting. Um, there's going to be a lot of really interesting things there. But we're not there yet. And we are spoilery, but not quite that spoilery. We're not that so. spoilery. Because not that spoilery. I mean, um, yeah, we're... because well, because honestly, then we would be talking for five hours. Uh, every week. Yes, exactly. Yes. Because the, the whole broad context. <laughs> Today we are here to talk about just these 45 minutes and I think we have done it. So, Noelle, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. OK. Yes. Uh, 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 I just <laughs> this is the this is an episode where I was watching this alone mm-hmm. and I was so sad to be watching it alone because I wanted to pause <laughs> and just point to the screen and just her wildly and what Spike dressing up question mark to oh, meet yeah. Buffy at the reopened bronze question mark like okay all right Taking a step back, has he been studying Riley's wardrobe? Literally, what is uh-huh. he wearing? Yeah. It's like a brown, le- it's like a brown leather it car is, coat with like a yes. light colored button up. What? Right. He's I mean, doing Riley cosplay. He is cosplaying Riley. He is yes. he is wearing his boyfriend drag. It is yeah. boyfriend so... drag. I love it. It's boyfriend drag. <laughs> and it, it continues. He it wears is. boyfriend drag coming up from his Buffy obsession lair mm-hmm. when Dawn it, you know, is yep, at yep, his yep. crypt. He mm-hmm. comes up from his his lair and he's wearing initiative chic yeah it's so funny but it's so great because he's clearly like literally trying on this role yeah of Mm -hmm. i am dating the slayer yep i guess yep um but i mean you talk about sweater giles but hello sweater spike yes what is even going on sweaters are so tied to identity and what is it that he steals from buffy a sweater yep. that holds her identity there are sweaters and identity i think there's a huge line drawn <laughs> within the world of buffy between sweaters and identity because, oh my god yeah there's Okay, there's a graduate thesis I want right. to read. <laughs> <laughs> you know, costume, Some... the costume nerd Sarah has probably, she's got a, a YouTube channel. You guys got to check it out. Oh, uh, God, yes. And, and her analysis of costumes in general, but she also does talk about Buffy a bit, uh, are just, just brilliant. And I'm really, I would love to hear her perspective oh on this. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's the role of sweaters and identity in Buffy. I just I love it. I love it. Something there. But I, I so enjoy this visual mm-hmm. representation of what's going on with Spike, where he's clearly like, yeah, he's trying on the mm-hmm. role of boyfriend. And yeah. it's yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it, it plays really, really neatly into this. Mm-hmm. This story of him trying to change who he is, or at yep. least manage who he is. Yeah, I mean, and God, the the way that he constantly chooses to be in the most uncomfortable space, you know, I just find <laughs> so interesting, including the, that ugly ass Riley sweater. 
<laughs> but he, I mean, he makes he, it look good. But I was gonna say, it's like, still he a Riley he makes sweater. It work. Like, yeah. But he's so clearly, it's so funny with the bleached hair. Yeah. It's so clear that he's wearing a costume. Oh, yeah. He's not and a I, neutral guy. This isn't a guy who wears neutral tones. What are you He does nuts? not wear brown. No. Can't. I'm sorry. No. No. That is not, that is not, he is not a beige dude. That is not <laughs> who he is. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we've had, like, th- we've had some serious beige dudes on yes. this show. <laughs> Oh There's... yeah, no. We've had we've had a a parade of beige dudes. Spike is not one of them. <laughs> I mean, no. Spike is Spike is a a leather jacket, yeah, scary bad dude. Um, Bright red, black leather. That's it's, Spike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. It's yeah. pretty great. But I mean, talk about talk about what wardrobe says mm-hmm. about someone and who they are and what they're going through. It's a just it's so yeah. good and so funny and he's trying so hard in that moment to mm-hmm. be chummy with her and she's just like what are you doing and then of course he can't help himself and he steals Xander's change to buy a beer right because because, is, because essential nature is essential nature right yes and no right mm-hmm. because he's told us it doesn't matter what you start out as yeah he's yeah. gotten over his humanity but not really but he's gotten yeah. over his demon side but not really but not it's really. A, oh it's gonna be Stuck we're gonna do this we're gonna go around and round on this merry-go-round oh for we're gonna be, many yeah, episodes we're gonna be to come going around this mulberry bush for quite some time yes but there's one more little wardrobe thing that i wanted yeah touch on that is maybe me making something out of nothing, which I have been known to do on this show. It's What's, kind of my favorite I, thing to do. This show is 90% making something out of nothing. <laughs> that is absolutely on brand for us. What you got? There's a shadow in the background and it means this. I Sorry, I, I can't love help it. it. No, it's, it's the best ever. And it's like, why I, well, okay. It's one of the many, many reasons why I love you so much. Okay. <laughs> but this little, this is one of those little things that, you know, when it's in the front frame mm-hmm. it's there on purpose somebody put it there right mm-hmm. when Buffy is explaining the situation with Spike to Willow and Joyce and Joyce hits us with some A plus slayer blaming <gasps> oh with my... the did you lead him on God. bullshit Come no both on. of them here both of them here drive me crazy uh, that victim blaming bullshit from Joyce, whatever. And then Willow being like, it's your responsibility to make sure that he knows. No, no, it's not. It's not Buffy's responsibility to do shit. You I know, mean, his delusion is his problem and she doesn't need to be a part of it. And the idea that she owes him some kind of explanation, you know, in order to like, I, I guess, ensure her safety or whatever. Yeah, I read that more as a like, no, you need to absolutely shut him down. Like, if you didn't shut him down for real, you need to tell him no okay. in such a way that... In what circumstances but, a clear shutting a man down really worked out well for women? Well, and that's th- that was going to be my follow-up to exactly <laughs> right. what I, you know, yeah. I was like, well, but, you know, how many times, how many times has... You know, someone. That's why it's the oh, I've got a boyfriend. Oh, I've got a husband. Oh, another man owns me. So that's why it's <laughs> not you. Um, like it's, yeah, women. Uh, it, it, you can't really tell the truth. 
it's when it comes bummer. to a rejection you can't you just can't be honest no matter how kind you are it doesn't matter like you, it's it's an incredibly dangerous thing to tell a man no and, and it's not, a huge all, huge bummer and i i, I will not make them like not all men they're good men like uh, clearly clearly but i'm talking about the fact that when you don't know what kind of man you're dealing with you have to err on the side of this guy will kill me you know yeah especially if it's a guy who will like literally, kill, literally you kill you, you. Get to chance. Spike is already um, a killer. She knows exactly what he is. Yeah. But of course she doesn't take him that seriously, which is kind of the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a it is not a good scene. It's not a no. good it's not a good approach. I appreciate Willow trying to be a good friend, but oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, However, yeah. I'm talking about a wardrobe choice. Yes, which yes, is yes. I'm sorry. Willow's no, it's fine. It's fine because you cannot you cannot have this conversation about mm-hmm. relationship dynamics and, you know, I mean, this is rape culture, right? Yeah. Like you mm-hmm. cannot have this conversation without getting into the nuance of saying no when there yeah. should be no nuance. There's Yes. No. It's you just should no. have the right to be able to say no. And Buffy does. I think she was pretty clear with him in the first place, you know? never never going to happen um mm-hmm. willow is wearing so willow is wearing this, this is so anticlimactic now Aww. willow's wearing this cardigan that mm-hmm. has like some little embroidery on it but she's also wearing what looks like a purple awareness ribbon on oh. the right front portion of her cardigan uh-huh. and the purple awareness ribbon i mean it looks purple to me someone is gonna tell me it's a different it's color blue or something yes but it looks like it looks purple and purple, dark purple for an awareness ribbon is associated with awareness of domestic violence, oh. which feels really on the nose for this episode. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit really yeah. on the nose. Wow. Um, The other option is that it is a, a navy blue or sort of dark indigo violet, in mm-hmm. which case it's a awareness of um uh homophobic bullying um survivors Mm -hmm. not survivors i don't want to say survivor i want to say someone someone who has experienced homophobic Mm -hmm. bullying which would also Mm -hmm. be possibly relevant to willow but it yeah i don't know i read it as a a purple domestic violence awareness ribbon and it puts all kinds of tastes in my mouth i have to say um and i don't know maybe that's not what it is at all but yeah yikes i don't know that's interesting it's a good it's a good good catch um all right so i have one moment for our girl power moment of the week oh not with a girl pal big (laughs) which you know i love Mm -hmm. (laughs) is harmony like stomping into the place with a crossbow i love when she says hey not good enough for me and you're gonna listen and i'm gonna shoot you with these flying shards of wood <laughs> and then and then she doesn't you know she doesn't yeah. kill him but no. then she goes ahead and when they get into their altercation she's like twisting that she crossbow yeah. bolt and yeah. it's go yeah. harmony absolutely I, I know i think it's fantastic yep. i love that yep <laughs> all right noelle what's your favorite part so it's either harmony's role play as buffy oh, or yeah. dawn and spike hanging out together it's oh, just God. there's so much to choose from. It's just delight armor yes. across the board. It is. Um yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, 
I love Harmony so much. I think I have I to give it to Harmony. Not that it's a contest. I could have two favorite parts if I you want. You know what, but... Noelle? This is your show. You can have as many favorite parts as you want. Oh, I love it. You can have I all love of it. them. What about you, Lonnie? What's your favorite part? Uh, I have to say it, it was hard to choose, but I have to say like for a single moment of delight, it's when Juliet Landau like soundlessly mouths <laughs> boo-boo at Spike while Harmony is in her face. It is. And the thing is, like, yes, it's Drusilla in that moment, but I really feel like it's Juliet Landau, like just playing that up. And it's wonderful and beautiful. And it delights me. And I, I may have to make a gif out of it just because it's so fun. Oh, <laughs> yes. 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 That needs to be gift. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on social media. Follow at Chipperish on Twitter and use the hashtag #StillPretty. This episode of Still Pretty was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the Power Producer level. These people are the reason why Still Pretty is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our June producers, Abigail, Alice, Erica, Rose, Jonathan, Kristen, Sarah, and Shelley. And this week's special message for our Power Producers... You should never hurt the feelings of a brutal killer. Actually, that's pretty good advice. To find out how you too can support Chipperish Media, visit patreon.com slash chipperish. Other ways to show your support, write a great review on Apple Podcasts, tell your friends about the show, or get on with the evil things you need to do. The bad, evil things. We will be back next time with I Was Made to Love You, the 15th episode of season five. Until then... You can say goodbye to this because you're not going to see it anymore unless you run into me somewhere and it's me walking away from you. But even then, I'll probably just, you know, back away. <laughs>